My name is Sean McCann. I'm conducting a series of expert interviews on behalf of the European Hematology Association at the annual meeting of the American Society of Hematology, which this year is in Orlando in Florida. And with me I have Jane Haskins. You're very welcome, Dee. Thank you for coming nice along. Nice to meet you, Sean. And she is Associate Professor in uh, the Department of Hematology at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, and she's an expert on sickle cell disease. So um, we were having a little chat before we started, but it's noticeable to me over a long period of time, shall we say, that sickle cell disease, which was ignored really until I would say the 90s, yep. is now a major and prominent feature of ASH. Is that a fair comment? That is absolutely a fair comment. Um, I would say we are experiencing an explosion in the field right now with the new drug therapies, with a true increased interest for sickle cell disease and the patients. And our patients are speaking up, okay. which is also something new. So it's an exciting time. So which of those is the predominant reason why we're talking about it? Is it because of the patients or because of the investigators I or the politicians? <laughs> um, I think it's because the interest somehow, the interest rose to the top of the list, sickle cell disease, and now the drug companies are investing in new treatments. Okay. We have new drugs, we have curative th treatments, we have gene therapy, several drug companies, several companies, biotechs are developing gene therapy trials. I think this is completely changing the dynamics of the field. Right. Yes. Now, from, from what I have a little bit of background reading, I'm, I'm interested in the social aspects of sickle yes. cell disease because the bio biochemistry yes. and all that would be pretty easy to read about, but yep. you're, you're involved in that. So adolescents with sickle cell disease seem to have a very poor outcome in this country. Is that a yep. fair statement? That's a fair statement. I would say it's a combination of factors with the adolescents. They have a chronic disease. They're aging. They're learning to become adults and they're faced with a lot of decisions at the same time that they're facing the fact that their disease is becoming more severe. So now they're leaving pediatric care, they're making decisions about, do I go to college, do I find a job, do I apply for disability because I feel too sick and the disease is getting worse. Okay, I, I spoke to Michael DeBaum a couple of years ago at, at this meeting and he said, he said to me, he again, that adolescent was a difficult time, but, a lot of physicians don't want to take on the care of adolescents. Is that still? They're challenging. Uh, They're challenging. They, I like that word. <laughs> I never know, quite know what it means. Uh, <laughs> they are the ones who intrigue me the most and keep me engaged the most. Right. They keep me up at night too. <laughs> they, um, they're very poorly adherent to their medications. They're not very compliant to their treatments for multiple reasons. And I love to spend time thinking about how to keep them engaged. Okay, well, share, share your thoughts with us then. I mean, why, why? I mean, adolescents are difficult. I mean, I have, they are difficult. I have children. They're difficult. I have grandchildren. Yes, but they are, yes, yes. But these are particularly difficult, are they? Uh, oh, they are difficult. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they are. I mean, they, um, you know, I've, over the years, I've learned to connect with them, and that's really key, right? I walk in a room, and I look at them, and they know I'm for real, okay. right? So if they don't think I'm for real, they won't pay attention to me. But I've taken advantage of technology, so the cell phone. So let me give you the example from, it was 2008, I wanna say 2007, 2008. Um, I walked in the room, I was early on in my adolescent experience, right? Adolescence with sickle cell disease. I walk in the room and I'm talking to this 15 year old and I'm saying, this is why your medicine is important. This is why your disease is the way it is because you're not taking your medicine and he's on, 
his cell phone, right? His mother's here on her cell phone. <laughs> right. They're completely ignoring me. And I'm talking and talking. I go, you know what? What is your number? And he goes, not a one, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. So I wrote it down. I said, I walked out, closed the door, and I texted him. I texted him what I wanted to say. <laughs> he he responded. <laughs> well, first he was shocked. He responded. I walked back. He was laughing and smiling. <laughs> and I go, can we talk now through this? And he said, yeah, I guess. And then the light bulb went out. Right? So then I went to my IT, my uh, information technology people, and I said, I want to develop an app that sends messages to my patients that does not come from my personal phone because I don't want him to have my number, right? Well, sure. <laughs> and it took about a year, and they did. So the server of St. Jude started sending messages to them. But then I said, okay, I can't just write the message, right? They're going to ignore my message. The text message works for maybe five minutes, okay. right? And then you lose interest. So then I started saying, okay, you're going to write a message for your best friends, your girlfriend, and you're going to tell them what you would tell them if you wanted to say something to him or her, your girlfriend, your best friend. And they went, Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll tell you, hey, bro, don't be a loser. Take your medicine. So I started putting those messages on the, and I have the best back. I, had a, I have a collection of great messages uh, that uh, sometimes they mean nothing to me, but they mean yes. nothing to them. Yeah. A and different language. A different language. And, you know, and, this, and it worked. And I looked at the adherence and the, the response to treatment improved. So then we, I went on to develop a real app, which I'm testing now, an app that okay. does lots of things that uh, you download from the app store and then does lots of things. So that's one thing. The other thing is I realized it has to matter to them. If it doesn't matter to you, because adolescents think about today, maybe tomorrow, two days from now, forget, uh, right? Yes. They can't see the long term. It just doesn't exist. Future doesn't exist. Today exists. Right. So you, you need to make it interesting for now or so that's how those tools that I have learned over so you're years. a psychologist as well no I'm not a I work with a lot of psychologists <laughs> I do work with a lot of a very smart group of psychologists who are wonderful uh -huh. uh, but no I I, I don't uh -huh. uh, but um it actually has helped me now that my son is becoming an adolescent he's 11 he's pre-adolescent oh. actually Having dealt with adolescence for so many years, it's kind of helping me now figure it out, my son, which is hard. Yes. <laughs> you, uh, very I'm hard. Being there, done that, as they say. Uh, I mean, a simple and effective and a cheap treatment is hydroxyurea. Yes. But yes. there's still a lot of resistance to that. Is that correct? So that's one of the things that my app, well, my app, the app that we're developing and testing does. Uh, they, so what happens is that people don't believe and they don't like the side effects. So it, it's hard for them to see you know, the forest for the trees, right? Again. So it, they really have to, okay, yes, my hair may thin out. Uh, I may get some um, spots in my mouth. Uh, my skin may get darker, but I won't be in the hospital. I won't yeah. be admitted. But then again, right, so then they see, it's hard for them to see the benefits. So, so one of the things that the app does is try to, through, uh, you can monitor your pain versus your adherence. You can graph it and visually see, okay, the days that I didn't take my medicine or the days that I had more pain, okay. right? So really there's a relationship between taking my medicine and doing well. So those things that I think uh, technology can help us, but, one, but, but again, back to, I take today something that may work next week or in two weeks, right? Not relevant. Not, not relevant, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if they hear from people, same age, same age group, uh, going through the same experience that might click, right, to okay. them. Right. So, the, thank you. The management of pain, then, you have a, a psychological intervention as opposed to just giving 
opiates or as well as, or just talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's not something that I have investigated, but my colleagues have. So okay. there are lots of behavior interventional, uh, cognitive behavior uh, interventions yes. that they can use with CBT, uh, cognitive yeah. behavior therapies. Yes. So you can do that through apps, uh, websites. So there are colleagues um, at my institution who use that. So you can try that to avoid opioids, but sometimes the reality is the pain is too strong, yeah. and uh, you do have to use yeah. opioids. Well, are they relatively successful, or some of them are? But again, yeah. you have to be engaged. You have yes. to use it, and you have to be con you have to be consistent with the use of those um, okay. cognitive behavior therapies. Yeah. So they would be an adjunct to opioids. That's as how opposed I see to, them. Uh, That's yeah. exactly how I see them. Yeah. I don't think they. I think. Um, I, I. I think they work with medication. They may decrease the amount of medication you take. I don't think they replace. Okay. Um, in spite of all our interventions, or your interventions, I should say, I know nothing about this disease, um, the average lifespan of a person with sickle cell is about 50. 48 years. So it's still, still very about important. half what hopefully about, ours is. Isn't so it? the recent data shows that it's about 20 years less than, um, so in the U.S., sickle cell disease affects pr primarily African-Americans, right? Of so, course, yes. So then when you compare the lifespan of uh, an African-American with the lifespan of a person with sickle cell disease who is also African-Americans, there's a 20-year difference. They, right. they die about 20 years earlier. And there's a difference between an Afro-American lifespan and a Caucasian lifespan still, is that there right? There is. There is a gap Which between... Which uh, hard to understand, it, or is it? <laughs> yeah, it's complicated, right? But I think it has to do with poverty, access to care... Um, so I think uh, it's complicated, yeah. yeah. But yes, African-Americans in general live less than Caucasians okay. in the U.S. So why do they die? They die of cardiovascular disease. Okay. They die of violent deaths. So um, shot, uh, okay. they, they get shot, they, they get killed, right? Um, so it's in a strange country. <laughs> it's a strange country. I mean, people shoot each other apparently <laughs> every day in this country. <laughs> That's right. I'm afraid to cross the street anymore. <laughs> I know, yeah. When I see a police car in the We corner. never know. Um, Okay, well, one of the um, causes, I understand anyway, of sudden death is HOCM, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Correct, so heart is disease, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a big one. So, it, you know, it's interesting because it is cause number one of death, cardiopulmonary diseases, yes. and we think a lot has to do with the, the way your heart is. And we don't understand as well the pathophysiology. How do you come to develop heart disease? So... Um, I work with uh, some cardiologists at my institution, and w there are some investigators in my institution who are looking at this issue, and some people around the country are looking at that. So fascinating because it, it starts early. It starts when you're a child with no symptoms, right? But it's sure. there. And then the and then. And do we know why that occurs in childhood? I mean, I think it's damage to the muscle of the heart from the sickle cell. The sickle from cells, the, okay. it, it, constant uh, ischemia, right? It, lack of oxygenation and the and occlusion of the vessels in the heart. And then that leads to fibrosis. And we, we think that's a part of the pathophysiology, but it's more complex than that. The problems, there are problems in the lungs, the build up pressure in the lungs, called pulmonary hypertension. Yes. So it's a combination of things. But anyway, one thing leads to the other too. They feed on each other. But in any way, the sad part about heart disease is that there's no much of a warning sign. So it's there, right? And it's right. very silent. And all of a sudden you die. So sudden death. Sudden death. Yeah. All of a sudden, poof, you're gone. Yeah. And to do autopsies, you know, the heart is big and, you know, stiff, yeah. biostolic dysfunction. Okay. So, um, so do you, you screen people for these problems or? You, Very interesting. I mean, so there's no one way to the dead, obviously. National <laughs> guidelines do not recommend it. My personal bias is that we should. Okay. Uh, I personally do with my patients. Uh, I 
I do an echocardiogram when they're adolescents. I do another one when they're young adults. I do because I want to catch it early, and I send them to the cardiologists. Uh, what do they do? <laughs> they they put so okay. they treat the hypertension. So yeah. some of them are hypertensive; it's associated, okay. right? So then uh, some of them are trying um, medications, uh, blood pressure medication that seem to work in a hard way. Think, and then I intensify the sickle cell treatment. Now that I have more treatments to offer, I'm going to start thinking about adding things to hydroxyurea, such as such as the new drugs, so the voxelator, uh, cruzolizumab, and then think about you know should I be sending this patient to transplant because I think it does revert organ dysfunction in some cases and right. gene therapy maybe right so then I'm more aggressive pushing treatments on right. the patients. Well, I mean gene therapy is still very expensive. And it's very, very experimental, limited, right? Very experimental. Yeah, and yeah. we still don't know. To the, ex the extent to um, it can work, uh, we don't know yet the rate of success. A few yeah. cases have been have been done and things are promising. I am very optimistic, but uh, I don't even know how much it costs. I would think it would be I don't know in the range of a million. Maybe? I'm sure. I don't know. I was going to say half, half a million. million half a million <laughs> sounds right. Yeah, more. Uh, uh, yes, I think it will be. It'll be a while before we... Uh, <laughs> it will be a while, but I'll be off limits um, yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah, very investigation at this so point. So how often would you refer a patient for transplant and what would your criteria be? So what I do, I discuss with everybody, all my patients, since they're little, I say, okay, this is what we have to treat. I'm not saying you need to go on any of these treatments right now, but I want you to know. So we begin with the parents, right? I say there's hydroxyurea, there's transfusion, there's transplant, there's gene therapy coming, and they are the new treatments that just came out. I discuss everything, and then I remind them. So, And I have my nurse practitioners and PAs and nurses discussing options of treatment. So then... The parents sometimes say, I don't want to wait for a problem. I want to start right now. Right. So we do hydroxyurea a lot, right, even without symptoms in the small children. Uh, but then if they start having more pain and complications, then I am more aggressive pushing treatments. Yeah. Okay. But I want them to know. Now, the, 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 what's totally different between Europe and North America is money. <laughs> who, yes. who pays for all this? Uh, <laughs> Access to care is a huge issue here, right? So I, I know it's not PC, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's sad that U.S. has one of the best medicines in the world, but it's off limits to a lot of patients. So access is a huge issue. So yeah. who pays for that? Um, if you're lucky enough to qualify for Medicaid or Medicare, you get paid under those plans. Okay. If you work, you can get private insurance. Uh, we get a lot of denials sometimes for lab tests that we order. Like sometimes I, I order brain MRIs and I get denials and I have to appeal. And it's a lot. I have to call and call, call again. Um, and then uh, the drugs, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the new drugs, the cost. Yeah. So I've ran some costs with my pharmacy and um, the new drugs are going to cost in the vicinity of $100,000 per year. So I'm concerned about excess. Which is off limits to the vast majority of people. I would have thought. Yeah, if your insurance, <laughs> if your insurance covers it, fantastic. I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write a prescription. But uh, and if it doesn't, you won't get it. They don't. But I, they're new, right? So yeah. I haven't really accumulated experience. Uh, I know that L-glutamine, which is the drug that was approved two years ago, I get denied about half the time, um, and then we have to appeal. And then you know, most of the time we're successful getting coverage under Medicaid right. for Indari. That's the the commercial name, but. Um, but the no drugs, um, ox, uh, oxbrita and uh, the um 
what is it called? It's a, I forget, it's crizomuzumab vaxalator, the new drugs. I haven't prescribed yet because they just got approved this month. Okay. So I so. am hopeful that the insurance companies are going to cover it. So next year, hopefully. <laughs> next year, I will know. Yes, yes, yeah. Listen, thank you very much indeed thank for you so sharing much. your thoughts with us. And uh, yes. for you young investigators and clinicians out there, this is a very complex disease. And obviously, as we've heard, access to new therapies is extremely important. But hopefully, as time goes by, access will become more widely available and physicians will know what they're doing or what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm.